On the Empire Podcast this week, Peep Show star Robert Webb drops in to tell us all about his wedding video, which is lovely. We come on like a cut-priced Jesus and get visited by just one wise man. That's Len, obviously. And we muster up the courage to tackle The Expendables 2. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. The movie podcast has been hailed by some leading critics as not a chore to sit through and passable. And praise doesn't come any higher than that. I believe it does. I've, I've heard about it. No, praise doesn't come any higher than that, Helen. Oh, okay. Uh, this week, inspired by The Expendables 2, I've put together a team of Empire colleagues to tackle the week's movie news and reviews, and each of them comes with a special skill set. I call them the Expodables. First up's a lady who wields words like bullets and sentences like Semtex. She's our Books About Talking <laughs> Dragons expert, Helen O'Hara. How are Outrageous you? racism, Semtex. How's that racism? Honestly. How's that racism? I suspect you have sectarian leanings, Christopher. You can't prove it in court. Ah. Anyway, uh, next up is a man who's so cool he doesn't walk away from explosions in slow motion, he walks towards him. Sure, he doesn't have any eyebrows anymore or much of a nose, come to think of that, or indeed anything resembling a face, but it's still good to know that Ollie Richards has our back. Hi, are you? I'm very well, thanks. That's nice than your usual intros for me. <laughs> no, I, I give you nice intros. Well, I don't remember them, but thank you very Phil's, much. That's for sure. Yeah. How are you? Good? I'm very well, yeah. yeah thank you've you very been, much. You've been sitting in this week for I have. Dan Joel in yes, the office. Yes, I've been in the office, which is the first time I've done that in many years. That, so it's been, it's been lovely. Culture shock, because you're a freelancer living the, yes. living the high life. Yes, exactly. Getting up in the morning's not been fun. <laughs> Security on the way, I've been pressing yeah. the <laughs> I wish we had a sound alarm. That'd be, that'd be so good. Uh, and last but not least, you've just heard him, is a man so tough that he could out Chuck Norris fact Chuck Norris. He could out split Jean Claude Van Damme and out whatever the hell it is that Randy Couture does Randy Couture um, people are going to write in now angrily aren't they probably yeah he's anyway, a very tough is. man Randy Couture he is That's indeed what we from the Expendables yes, yes. strange years we'll get to that later on uh, this is a man who once shot a man on a set of Reno 911 just to watch him die it's Nick Dissimlian Hello, Chris. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was a good last line. Thank you. Uh, as has now become tradition, it's time for us to field your questions. Sent in via email, Twitter and Facebook, although you didn't send in any questions via email or Facebook this week, so that just leaves Twitter. So, at Robin Java asks, what book would you like to see as a film? Mine was World War Z, or C, if you live in the States. So, I'm a happy bunny. He might not be once he sees it of all the rumours about Fingers the, crossed. the trouble production are true. Mm. But, uh, Helen, you read books. I do, quite a lot of them, actually. Um, I would like to see a book that hasn't actually been written yet, um, done as a film, which is Buttercup's Baby, but I've discussed that on here before. Um, it's I, cheating, I would, Yeah, it is. Um, I would really like to see Peter Jackson stop faffing about with Hobbit films and make Temerera instead. Me Speaking too. of Talking Dragon. <laughs> yes, you just really played into your stereotype. I did, there. really. Well, it was deliberate, honest. <laughs> okay. But he has got he has got the options for that. He has got the options for that. Last I heard, they were talking about a TV series rather than a series of films, which I think is not necessarily the right way to go. It would be the most expensive. It would be the most expensive. Yeah, it would dwarf. Game of Thrones, they can afford about two minutes of dragons per episode. Yeah, and and it would be like you know the opening episode of Lost every ten minutes basically would be the cost of it. Temerara uh, for Ollie, who's looking back, (laughs) um, is a book I've recommended to you several times, and you keep objecting to. Just probably got a dragon on the front. Well, it does. But but it's a good book. Basically, it's kind of the um, Napoleonic Wars reimagined if there were dragons. So essentially, both sides have an air force, which obviously changes the balance of power in the Napoleonic Wars. And it's kind of, you know, from a military history geek kind of a point of view it's interesting but also it's it's a genuinely good story and a good set of characters mm. unlike Helen I don't usually read books with dragons I don't believe you. this one is really good okay it's a, it's a long series I have only actually read the first one that said what are we on now book six or seven 
yeah, it's gone a little. Flat. It's gone a little stale. I've, I haven't read the last two books. It's a bit like uh, the Alex Cross series for me because James Patterson. I used to love the Alex Cross books, and then James Patterson started writing them during his lunch hour. It just seems that that guy is so prolific. <laughs> he just cranks these, this stuff out, and the last three or four have been so bad. I stopped reading them. Uh, but I'm still looking forward, kind of-ish, to the movie, even though it's got Tyler Perry and it's directed Great. by Rob Cohen. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's on, Chris. Don't go overboard. Well, no, it was... <laughs> the, the Alex Cross movie that's coming was initially, at one point, going to be directed by David Toohey, who's very, very good, and uh, was going to start Idris Elba as Alex Cross. And instead, we get Rob Cohen, who mm. hasn't consciously made a good film. And... <laughs> oh, come on, he hasn't. Uh, and stars Tyler Perry. So, I'm not... That excited but about it's got it. Matthew it's Fox doing Gollum without mocap. <laughs> That's what I want to see it for. He looks terrifying in those photos. He does, doesn't he? He's really amped up. Uh, Ollie, you also read books. What was I do? I'm trying to think. What have I read recently that would make a good film? Helen's saying she's got another one. Uh, she's well, making a gesture. Helen reads all the books. <laughs> no, it's one that's actually been uh, talked about a few times in the past, and that's Good Omens. There's oh, one yeah. point Terry Gilliam was yeah. was looking at doing Good Omens. It's obviously written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, something of a dream team, and it's a kind of comic spin on you know the Omen, which I think could do with a, a good comic spin, not one of those rubbish <laughs> movies. Yeah, mm. we, we we don't like rubbish comic spins. No, is this another one of those ones that would cost an absolute fortune to do? I don't think not so. necessarily. Mm. I think there's a story in there you'd have to drop bits that mm. are just ridiculous and wouldn't work on screen but I think there's a story in there that really would and it's just a question of finding it yeah there's a whole ton of Neil Gaiman stuff I'd love to see Stardust came to the big screen pretty successfully I think uh, I, I loved American Gods Amen. but that's that's huge I think and the Graveyard book is, rightly. is being adapted the Graveyard speak, book is, yeah, is in, in development with Henry Selleck now Stop it motion was or with live action uh, stop motion, I believe. It was with Neil Jordan for a while, but it's not with Henry Selleck. Oh, speaking of Neil Jordan, he was attached to, and uh, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, Heart Shaped Box, mm-hmm. which is Joe Hill's debut novel, uh, Son of Stephen King. Fantastic, really creepy, gothic, uh, gothic rock horror, if you will. It's about a, a rock star who's haunted by uh, a vengeful ghost, and it's absolutely brilliant, really terrifying novel. And I'd love to see Neil Jordan do it. I have two books. This is probably the longest we've spent on one question ever. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, just quickly, uh, yeah, one is something that people have been trying to turn into a film forever, which is A Confederacy of Dunces, which mm-hmm. is John Kennedy Tools. Fantastic comedy set in New Orleans, and I think pretty much every portly actor ever has been <laughs> John Candy at one point, John Belushi, I think, was the first. I think Porkins from Star Wars was in the running Porkins, at one point. Yeah, um, I think Will Ferrell was linked to it for a while. So Although Step Brothers uh, is actually kind of loosely that story anyway, which okay. is that character. Um, and I believe it's now in the works with James Bobin, who did The Muppets. Oh, great. Uh, Zach Galifianakis. Fantastic. And my other book is American Tabloid, which I absolutely love, which is James, James Elroy's Elroy. epic story about American history with the mob and the feds, JFK, everything. And that would be incredible. Yeah, my book that I would like to see adapted for the big screen, uh, and Helen, you've read this one as well, mm-hmm. is The Terror uh, by Dan Simmons. Yes. Um, which is a fantastic uh what if true life tale about uh, what happened to Captain Francis Crozier and the crew of the Terror which is a ship that that, that tried to uh, go through the Northwest Passage uh, and got basically caught up in ice and they all died horribly uh, but this adds a supernatural bent to it with an unkillable monster that may or may not be real and it goes into quite metaphysical territory towards the end and I was mm. sitting there reading this is amazing this is amazing oh now it's turned into 2001 and this is going to be quite <laughs> difficult for any director to, to adapt uh, one of the reasons I love it it's a fantastic book really atmospheric but also so Francis Crozier comes from my hometown, Banbridge, mm. and there was indeed a statue to him. I don't think it's there anymore, sadly, uh, uh-huh. of him surrounded by polar bears about to meet his doom. Not the most uplifting <laughs> statue you'll ever meet uh, in, well, a, it is in a small Ireland, town. So. It is. There, there he goes. Be about to be ripped apart by polar bears. 
Good on him. Up your, what about your derby band? I would agree that that would be an absolutely amazing film and actually yeah. would, you know, would be doable. It's kind of one location, you know, lots of Arctic waste. You could shoot lots of it in a studio and then just go to, you know, Iceland for a week and you'd be fine. Is it basically the grey but with polar bears? No, no not, it's not quite oh. better. Oh, a not lot quite. Yeah. better. Um, read the book and you'll does find, he write a you'll find it. Does he write a polar bear? No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't, but no, no, no. Definitively no, he doesn't. But uh, <laughs> thanks, Robin Chava. We, we like that question. More questions like that, but, not, but not the same question. Yeah, go books. Uh, at Matthew with two Ws. Uh, one two three four asks. I hope that's not your password or your <laughs> pin number. Uh, what were films that your parents forbade you to watch, but you saw them anyway? Mm. Mm. My parents were quite laissez-faire. I was watching things like the Terminator when it came out in video, and the Aliens when it came out in video and stuff. So they were, they were, and it hasn't done me any harm. You <laughs> uh, said twitching. I wasn't allowed to watch anything. My parents are very strict, and they're probably monitoring this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything. Um, but. Um, even now, you can only watch 12 A's. I, exactly. <laughs> I remember uh, hiding behind the sofa while my brother and his friends watched Total Recall. And uh, that's quite a vivid memory. Mm. So, what yeah, age I was think your, it enhanced it. Your brother, Phil? Phil, yeah. Yeah. So what age was he at that point? Because that's an 18. I don't remember. He was probably about 18. So he was watching it illicitly or he was, no, he was, he was watching it okay. You'd have to ask him. I'm okay. not saying anymore. We'll, we'll get him, we'll <laughs> get him in next him week. In okay. Yeah. Uh, Ollie. I was never forbidden from watching anything. My parents were kind of, well, if you watch it, then the consequences are yours to deal with. <laughs> so I remember that uh, the first 18 I saw was Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't remember how old I was. Um, but I didn't sleep for weeks. And then I didn't watch horror films for ages after that. And then once I remember at a sleepover watching Henry Portrait the Serial Killer. That was a <laughs> dreadful mistake I think we got 20 minutes in and was like, I don't like this anymore no that's, that's, that's a tough one to sit through uh, Helen I remember uh, Robocop I must have been about I don't know 7 or 8 maybe maybe around there maybe okay. a little bit older and um uh, I remember the guy sort of dissolving into the toxic goo. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that was quite traumatic. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like that very much. Um, but to be honest, the, the most traumatic one, it's much more recent and my parents had nothing to do with it, but several of us here in this room went over to Sam Toy's house once, formerly of this parish. Oh, my God. Um, on yes. a Saturday night for a nice get-together and he showed us threads, <laughs> which is, without doubt, the most depressing, downbeat, terrifying traumatic movie I've ever seen um, and and we literally had to watch comedy for three hours afterwards just to kind of re-establish some sort <laughs> had of Had he lost all his other DVDs and the TV channels? No, 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 no. no, no, no was, was, we were invited to see that. That was going to be the film. He told us it was great. It yeah. was great in a really bad way. It was, it was a glorious summer's day as well outside. It was fantastic. <laughs> Meanwhile, we were watching you know Sheffield being reduced to ash and Reese Dinsdale from uh, the John Thaw sitcom uh, Home to Roost slowly die of radiation poisoning. <laughs> wasn't fun Threads famously is mm. the uh, the film in which a lady <laughs> is uh, one of the greatest cameos of all time she's listed on I can't remember her name but uh, she became quite famous she's listed on the IMDb as woman who urinates on herself oh, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a clip of literally just this woman looking at the nuclear blast and then you know letting go and she became slightly famous I think wow she's, yeah, I think that's she's, her sole credit that's her sole credit Ever. that's her sole credit woman Ouch. who urinates on herself well, acting probably wasn't for her. <laughs> <laughs> She's very convincing. <laughs> yeah, she went method. Uh, thank you for that one, Matthew. Or Matthew, one, two, three, four. Uh, next up is at Barbudo13, who's clearly aware we have Robert Webb on the show later on. He's the host of Great Movie Mistakes 3, of course. And he asks, what's the worst continuity error you've ever seen in a film? 
I, I sometimes I notice the little ones like you know somebody's hair moving from in front of their mm. shoulder to behind their shoulder and, and that kind of thing but eh I'm pretty sure in Commando in the final battle you see one stuntman die twice Oh, they, sure oh yeah, they, they reused because the stuntman. I think yeah. with that, they changed the ending right at the ending, uh, right at the last minute. Uh, Stephen D'Souza, the writer, said the director had just seen the latest Rambo film and he wanted to top the body count, so he just threw all these stuntmen in. Oh, yeah, if you, if, you, if you watch it carefully, you see the same stuntmen again and again, but just with different moustaches. <laughs> just, to, just to get around it somehow. It's, it's awesome. Um, I don't really spot these things. Every, no, film, every film, when you get into it, every big film is littered with mistakes. Yeah. I was doing something on Jurassic Park recently and... Um, it's full of errors. There's one point where the raptor comes in the kitchen, you can see a hand come in and correct the tail because it's coming down. Or really? Yeah. You're and lying. I'm not lying. Check I don't believe there's anything wrong in that film. Yeah, I, I agree with all these. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> and, um, this is your, the this is your error. Where, the scene where Nedry and Dodgson meet at the beginning of the film, um, where the place where they meet is miles and miles inland, but you can see the ocean in the background. So, but there's a mistake. And then, of course, there is the stormtrooper banging his head in Star Wars, which sadly now has a comedy sound effect with it when you go and watch it. <laughs> George just couldn't leave it alone, could he? Anyway, uh, sorry about that, Barbuto13. We've, we've not answered your question at all, but that's why we have Robert Webb and people like that in the world. And this podcast is going to be full of continuity errors as well. So. Thanks, Phil. At Rantin Gibbon says, I think Scott Adkins has had the short shrift with Expendables 2 marketing. Do you not think he deserves better? Well, Scott, it's nice to know you're listening to the show, and uh, thanks for writing in. Uh, at Enclo asks, Have you ever made a huge effort to visit somewhere because you saw it in a film? I went to New Zealand because of Lotter, which I believe is Lord of the Rings. I, I, I believe that's correct, yes. I went to Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop right there. That's it. That's all you have to say. Why did you go to Derbyshire? Um, I went to visit. It's the... Um, the, actually, we principally went to the house which plays um, Mr. Darcy's house in Pride and Prejudice. That plays Mr. Darcy's it house. Plays Mr. Darcy's it was house. terribly convincing. <laughs> when it's method. A, it went method. Yeah. It's his only credit. House of urinates on itself. <laughs> that's, a, that's astonishing. Yeah. That's astonishing. Okay. Uh, Ollie? No, I'm really lazy. I've uh, kept meaning to go to the fire station from Ghostbusters, but it, which is in New York, but it's way downtown. You've either got a cab or I think two subways. Just, whatever. I'll just look at the hotel, which you can see from Central Park. This doesn't really count because it's a tourist attraction anyway, but I went uh, when I was in New York, I went to look at the Dakota building, which is the building from Rosemary's Baby, which is my favourite horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice I also went to a yoga class in LA with uh, this doesn't count at all but when I was in LA I went to a yoga class run by uh, 24 actor uh, James Morrison who plays CTU chief uh, Bill Buchanan <laughs> that was a big mistake because it turned out to be the most advanced yoga class in the world and I got really sweaty there's an amazing in- shot of you with him at the end of the, the class and you were just covered in sweat and he's got a light was, film yeah yeah it was it was gnarly um, yeah. but yeah there were, there were no monitors or CTU security guards or anything it was, mm. it was just sweat have you ever been gripped by the urge though to visit another country because I mean because you're a massive Lord of the Rings fan have you ever been to New Zealand since the, the movies uh, since the movies, no. But actually, I was kind of working in post-production in films when the films were coming out, and I went for a job interview type thing for Return of the King to potentially work on the sound department of that. So I went to Wellington and actually got to go into Wetterin, and also saw two towers at is it the Embassy, the the cinema in Wellington? I think so. Yeah. And they had a huge golem hanging from there. So yeah, I was kind of around while it was happening. But oh wow. I once visited the, uh, the London Eye, which of course is featured in <laughs> Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Mm. Wow! I, I, could, I honestly couldn't believe it. It was like Steady. it was like visiting Mecca or something. It was <laughs> absolutely astonishing. Uh, so I recommend that if you're ever in London, it's a little known tourist attraction called the London Eye. Um, and on a similar topic, I guess at Meg Filkins XO says, 
I'm off to holiday in New York, which is nice. Well done. Uh, how about a favourite New York movies discussion? God, that's big. Ooh, all of them. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. There you go. When, when Harry, Harry met Sally. Sally. Um, Rosemary's Baby harmonised. Yes. <laughs> Any, uh, Rosemary's Baby. He's. he's yeah. I, I think the best thing to do is just wander around and see where it looks familiar. Like yeah. literally, I I went for a jog last time I was in New York around Central Park because I was like, I'm in New York. I'm near Central Park. I'm totally going for a jog there and pretending to be one of those people. Um, and uh, and literally, you sort of you know you run past Elf and then over Serendipity <laughs> and then past you Keeping run the Faith. Over Serendipity. <laughs> well, you don't want to. Run on. I mean, it wasn't that good, was it? You know, um, you know, past keeping the faith, and you know, over by when Harry met Sally, and you just it, like yeah. literally, it's just all of the landmarks. Woody ever. Allen movies, every Woody obviously. Allen movie, and you yeah. kind of yeah. do Marathon Man as you go around the reservoir Naturally. anyway. Right? Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a Sex and the City tour, isn't there? So there should be a Taxi Driver tour, really, to balance that. Oh, out. yeah. Well, that would be weird. It would be grotty. I'm not no, sure anybody would want. I to. did actually. On, 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 this applies to both this and the last question. Uh, I did, and I'm sure we've all done it. When we've been in New York, visited FAO Schwartz. Yes, just yes. to see the big piano. Is it Giant still piano. there? Yes, it, I was it was there. Oh, okay. I was there, but I was. I haven't been in New York for about six or seven years. You have to years. go upstairs and you have to queue and you have to, you know, stand in line with all the small children. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> who are I'm queuing. glad I didn't do um, that. Not that I did. Obviously, I just took a picture and left. <laughs> Sadly, Robert Loggia wasn't in the queue either, was he? <laughs> Logia yeah. or Logia? Yes. Logia, both. Why not? Let's go for it. Depends okay. where you're from. Okay, so uh, if you've any more favourite New York movies, well, why not tell us? Uh, before we move on, uh, we have two competitions this week, mainly because uh, we, and when I say we, I mean I, made a massive cock-up last week and the ridiculously easy question to win a poster of Matthew McConaughey that appears in this month's issue was actually incorrect in the first place. It was, in which movie does Matthew McConaughey play himself? And the answer was was Tropic Thunder but actually the answer is not Tropic Thunder so haha to win a chance to win a poster of the Matthew McConaughey poster from this month's issue of Empire answer this following ridiculously easy question which is in which TV series did Matthew McConaughey play himself there we go as for this week's competition well Phil DeSemlin isn't on the show this week. We do give him a lot of stick for being into obscure East European art house cinema, and he's keen on not being pigeonholed. So I said to him, you know what, Phil, you can set up this week's competition. Go for it. Be as commercial as you like. Oh, well done. I know. It's lovely, isn't it? So if you want to win one of three DVD copies of the Studio Canal Collection, comprising Orson Welles' The Trial, Louis Bunuel's That Obscure Object of Desire, and Marcel Carnes' The Quai de Broome, answer the following ridiculously easy question who wrote the novel on which the trial was based there you go thanks Phil it doesn't get much more commercial than that's that that's his Transformers it? trilogy for him I think. there are some brilliant action scenes in all those films <laughs> absolutely the CG is amazing <laughs> Now, if you want to get in touch with us in the Empire Podcast, or if you want to enter either of those competitions, it really couldn't be simpler. Email us at podcast at empireonline.com or use the hashtag EmpirePodcast to hit us up on Twitter, where we're at Empire Magazine. And then, of course, there's Facebook, where you can message us and say lovely things. Alternatively, you could become a successful writer, director, or actor, and then just wait for the invitation to come to the Empire Pod booth, which is what happened with our first guest this week. Uh, Len Wiseman shot onto Hollywood's A-list with the first two Underworld movies, where he also met his Mrs. Kate Beckinsale before moving on to Die Hard 4.0 or if you're listening in the States Live Free or Die Hard now he's back 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 with his own version of Total Recall the Paul Verhoeven Arnie classic from 1990 James Dyer and I spoke to him yesterday and kicked off with a big question the one that keeps well keeps James and I awake at night anyway uh, we are delighted to be joined by the director of Total Recall Mr. Len Wiseman now Len James and I have been waiting uh, in the waiting room and conversation turned as it does naturally to which film in which film does Arnold Schwarzenegger have the best hair? 
Now, what's hair? What do you think? Okay, I would say the best hair of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's see. This is a this is quite a serious question. So let me think no, about it, it for one second. I don't want to just answer this just off the cuff. Um, <laughs> this would be best hair, best hair. Um, you can go with color, texture, consistency. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Um, uh, I know where one of the worst ones comes from. Okay. I hope it's not one of your. It would be Kindergarten Cop. Oh, that, that's no that's, one's that's, favorite that's, film. That's, <laughs> come on, right? And then um, he's got one of the coolest haircuts in in Terminator Two. Mm, yes. Over Terminator One, I think. Um, so yeah, I think best hair would be. Uh, I'd, I'd probably go with Terminator Two. Where, where did you? What did you go with? Uh, James said without missing a beat, Predator. Predator. Yeah, Predator. I stand by that. And, uh, by that? and, and I'm saying this. I know uh, what yours is going to be. Truthfully, go on. Raw deal. No, no, it's no. terrible. It's slicked back, horrible. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, uh, the original Total Recall. It's he's rocking good hair there. He's, but he but Colin, good hair there. Uh, this is not a, this is not a hair podcast. I have to say, but Colin is, is good hair, great hair, good Colin hair. Ha- Colin has great hair. He does very very good hair. Currently in the junket, but but very good in the film. <laughs> <laughs> he does give good hair. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was watching an interview with Brian Cranston on the Craig Ferguson show. Just as, around the time I think he was cast as Cohagen, and uh, he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm doing Total Recall next." And Craig Ferguson went, "Oh, right." So you, obviously you don't have Arnold this time. He went, and <laughs> Brian, Brian Cranston went, "We've got one better. We have an actor." Um, <laughs> now, was that first and foremost in your mind? Because you, there's no one like Arnold these days. So how do no. you reinvent this role yeah, and this movie? Well, I mean, one of the one of the things that um, uh, you know, I had no intention of replacing Arnold for one. So that would, one, I'd be an idiot to do so there. Like you said, there is no other Arnold. I was not looking to uh, replace Arnold. I was looking to do a different version of Quaid though. So I, um, I was really uh, approaching it from that, that point of view. Uh, the, the Quaid that I had read in the draft that I was sent, this, this, uh, um, you know, I was unaware that they were, they were putting a total recall together. So when I read this screenplay, it reminded me more of the Quaid that I remember reading in the short story when I was in college. Okay. It had more of a more of that kind of uh, character to it. So, um, you know, it's 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 funny because obviously people are 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 more aware of Arnold's portrayal of Quaid, mm-hmm. which um, you know, say, oh, there's not you don't have the one liners in this one with Quaid. You don't have it, and the one liners aren't in you know they're they're not really inherent in the Total Recall or the the story. They are a part of Arnold. Yeah. yeah. You know, Arnold brought that into a lot of his other films as well. Watching this film and watching the original, to me, perfectly sums up the state of action movies now as opposed to in, say, 1990. So in that film, it's a science fiction. It's Arnold. It's this huge personality. It's one-liners. It's brash. It's colorful. Uh, and this, it's very dark. It's very technical. Uh, the future is all about sort of like, you know, entropy and decay and right, sort of corruption. Right. The, the feel of this more for me was almost like uh, the Bourne recollection. Do you know what I mean? Is that mm-hmm. Was that mm-hmm. kind of a touchstone for you? I mean, it's, you know, if, if, uh, I mean, because the Bourne to me felt like uh, a bit of um, what I pitched it to the studio as, honestly, when they're trying to get a sense of where I was going with the even even just the um, the, the tone or the, the the pacing, the structure of it. I, I pitched it to them as a uh, futuristic version of the fugitive, mm. more so than even a born type of uh, you know. And born is more recent, but it, but it's you know in in the fugitive you have. Um, you know, Harrison Ford is is on the run. It's a chase structure, but while he's on that, while he's being pursued, he is having to um, he's having to uh, to be a detective, really, and and is forced to uh, prove his own innocence. And in this, to me, this was a character who 
not not unlike that that character is a bit of a detective in his own right mm. and his his case is that of his own soul he's he's in essence he's trying to you know in that film you've got a character who's being chased it's a you know it's a pretty high um uh you know octane structure i guess you could say but um he's trying to prove his innocence where this character is trying to prove his existence mm. and uh so i saw it a little bit more of that then but you could say that born is it is is a bit like a fugitive yeah. uh you know elements to it to it as well so i mean what this does do as a story what total recall is kind of known for is blurring the lines between fantasy and reality uh if you ask paul verhoven i think we spoke to him a while back when the the, the film was reissued on dvd he, he without a doubt it all happens in in quaid's mind he has absolutely no distinction about it. it it's all in his mind mm-hmm. with this film it's very much more it's it felt to me more like it was leaning towards yeah this is this is really happening do you have a particular take on on that that's it- interesting I, I i definitely do i think that as a as a director you have to you have to have a point of view i feel it's a it's a cheat to um you know with, with every imagine every like all the details every you know uh everything that i have to decide on that in the end, if I go, eh, well, you know, it could be real, it could be, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it, I feel like it's too much of a cheat. So I definitely have a point of view. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell what that is, but, it, but it's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, because I also think it's part of what I love about not just this story, but uh, a lot of Philip K. Dick's work that he's, yeah. you know, he's somebody that he has us question our own reality. He does leave it up to us often to, uh, to answer that. Mm. And and I and I wanted to keep that alive. So it's funny because you say movie this reality. Movie, this felt like it was real. Although See, that's cool to me because although I, I I could be making this up. You tell huh? me if I'm making this up. I felt like, and I, I could be hallucinating this. That I saw the the sort of fleur de lis type thing, the banks logo. I thought I saw it on the wall at the recall place. And I'm not sure if I made that up. And I thought, ah, oh, so maybe it's something, you know, like in Usual Suspects where the court yes. board, all of those things make yeah. it into the film because he's making it up as he goes yes. along. And yeah. I thought, if I saw that, there's probably 12 or 15 more of those things where he's picked them up and then they appear throughout the film. You're, Is that you're, true? you're absolutely right in terms of there, because there's many other things in there that uh, that play into the other side as well. That, um, But even if seeing that in there, can you, in a, in a dream, can you dream that the that recall is a part of that world that you're experiencing. Yeah. Why not? Right. You know, and the first time that he's chased by, uh, by Lori, when she's chasing him on the rooftop, she crosses by a recall sign in her pursuit of him. Well, does that, but you could, you could, you could make an argument, of course, that if that's something that is in, um, in his, in his reality, it's going to continue in his reality. That's an easy one. Mm. If it's something that he's going in and he's now paid for a fantasy, he's still, he's still bringing his own wife into his fantasy. Why wouldn't you bring the recall center? Or it could be implanted advertising. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you said Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are a lot of, but there's a lot of things in there too that I'm, I'm very curious if people are picking up on some, some people have, but there's, there's also audio cues. Um, there's some other, um, just, just purely design aspects in there that, uh, that, that I think lay uh, a, a bit of track into possibly persuading a little bit more to what I think. So when will you reveal definitively your take? Tomorrow. <laughs> right, Tomorrow well, 12 uh, my next interview. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> a DVD commentary? Perhaps? Yeah. So this, this project didn't originate with you. This was, it didn't. This was circulating around Hollywood before mm-hmm. you came on. Um, were you at all reticent at, um, given that your last film had been a sequel? You started off with a, a universe that was completely your own mm-hmm. with the Underworld movies. 
Then you do a sequel, and now this is a a, a remake, uh, I guess. Or how do you how do you see this move? Do you see it as a? I think you can call it whatever you want. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think there's that much difference. If you call it a, some people say, well, we should call it a reimagining. We should call it a retelling, a remake. Mm. It's not going to make any difference. It uh, has the, the word the re. Is, yeah, it's re. Um, <laughs> it's all about whether or not just the movie itself is the best movie it could be. So I don't think if you slide it one way, to, you can call it whatever you want. Um, but I w- absolutely for for the reasons that you state too. I'll be honest that there were um, you know I started my career with um, with with creating something from my apartment. You know, just like just from ground up is really fun. Um, it's also what I really love to do. I hadn't you know you, you can't really you, you kind of make a plan for your career and then all of a sudden you get sent a script and Bruce Willis says, "Hey, what about that Len Wiseman guy?" And <laughs> you go, "What?" Um, and and so. Um, because of Die Hard as well, I, I did the uh, um, television pilot for Hawaii Five O. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's you know you there's a and actually I was after Die Hard I really wanted to get back to my own material again, and um, you know people ask me well what were you you know why did you take so much time off between Die Hard and Total Recall? And I said I just laugh. It's like I I I didn't take any time off. I've been actively i feel like i've been the busiest unemployed director in hollywood i you know it's, it's very hard to there's you know to to get movies especially of a certain scale greenlit is very difficult you know i've yeah. spent a good seven months before total recall came about i was prepping a movie with with tom cruise for seven eight months of my life just um you know we were i was passing on family vacations and um and we were just about to go on that and we didn't get you know the, the budget was too high it was original movie, original script, not based mm. on anything. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that can be more risky at, at a certain budget level. You know, anything over 100, you know, like this movie's 125. There's some movies out there, you know, the summers are 200, 200 plus. Yeah. Original ideas at a certain level are, are, I will be honest, are very hard to, to get the, you know, to, to, to have people take the risk on them. I hope that changes. So the movie with Tom Cruise, that wasn't Motorcade, was it? That was Motorcade. That was Motorcade, yeah. So Mm -hmm. it came so close. Oh, my God. Very close. I had already chosen all the locations. I was already having, uh, you know, stuff built. And it was, the budget was just getting too high. And Mm -hmm. then um, because there was, and I think because the budget was still being discussed um, about whether they would take the risk on, on, you know, giving the budget what it needed um, in that time, uh, Tom had decided to, uh, he, he took off to do Night and Day. Instead, yeah, because it's tricky. Because when you're casting the president, or, or was he the Secret Service guy? He, he was the Secret Service. He was guy. the Secret Service guy. Mm-hmm. But when you're casting in, in that realm, someone who will get a movie of say eighty, ninety million dollars screen lit, aren't really a lot of people out there these days who can who a studio will look at. There are. I mean, we are in a different time. I mean, obviously. I mean, like I said, when Total Recall came out, why did I go? I went to go see at that time Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's that's who I was going to go see, and we don't we don't have many of those guys left. But I'll tell you, um, if you if you can't do that with uh, with with Tom Cruise, um, you know, then it's it, it's just getting harder and harder. So what's next for you? Is Motorcade dead? Is that something you might come you back know, to? You know, I or? got so uh, I got so burnt on how much time and effort I put into it for it not to happen that. Um, Going back to it, I, 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 I don't think so. Um, you know, they, we were trying to, you know, possibly scale it back, um, and then it just felt like it come, becomes too much like other things that I had seen. If we have to scale it so far back, I mean, just jumping back to this film, uh, is there a special sentimental attachment you have to the number nineteen bus? How did you know? You're picking everything of my. Um, you you, you know, like yeah. the journey from sort of like 
Tonical Road to Farringdon. That's a particularly uh, yes, emotional I do. journey. You know, there is actually, um, no, not at all. I have no <laughs> idea that it was even 19. But the um, there are things that I've been I've put into every project of mine now that uh, you'll notice on the synthetics, there's uh, their, their like kind of call sign thing on the uh, on the synthetic police that says LKL. And that's uh, that's for Len, Kate, and Lily. And that's been in every, uh, every you'll see it spray painted on the wall. It was in Hawaii 5 That's your personal THX 1138. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's got, it's got a good graphic to it. So I thought, thought why not? Uh, just one, one last thing. Uh, we've just held the Olympics here in London, as, yeah. as you may know. And, you too. Uh, Personally? We did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was yeah, very good job. It was all us. I heard it was a huge hit. It was yeah. such a huge hit that we nobody went to the movies. The closing ceremony, we regret that a little bit. But the opening, yeah. we're quite proud of. The opening. The That's opening. It. But it's, it's good because we Londoners like to think we're the center of the universe. And in this movie proves it because... That you, you are correct. <laughs> yes, you are the center of the universe. Um, I, I, watching it from a, from a, a Londoner's perspective, the, the cataclysmic event that, that hits in this yeah. movie, how much information do you have about that? How much backstory do you have? Because it, clearly it seems to hit relatively close to the present day because there's a Phantom of the Opera yep. advertisement on a, on yep. a bus at one point. Mm -hmm. So how, how much can you say about the cataclysmic event? H however, has, how long has, because it was, it was a discussion I was having with my production team, how, hasn't the Phantom of the Opera been going uh, along for, God, long. how many years now? Uh, too long. So, yeah. too long. <laughs> and it's going to continue to go on for m much longer. I yeah, mean, Rock, I of, Rock of Ages or something would have dated you a little bit, I think. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, one last thing about the the sort of Brit-centric nature of the movie. Uh, I love the little touch that whenever uh, Quaid finds out you know, who he really is, secret aunt, that, that Kate's accent switches from mm. American to British. Right. Whose idea was that? That was hers. That was hers. Yeah, she was when when uh, when we finally got to the part where uh, or, or or reached uh, uh, you know that she was going to play the role. When reading it, she, she it, was, it was it was her. She said, "What if what if during that moment it's supposed to be a change, right?" And so she is from the UFB, you know. So the the agents are from you know that it's, it's uh, you know natural that some are going to be British. So um, so that one if I'm also dropping my whole shtick as the wife, why don't I just drop the whole you know there's there's other things that that go away, and just uh you know british has you know it's just a little bit more wicked you know? <laughs> we like to think so <laughs> how, how did Kate take it very very briefly whenever you said, "I've got this part for you, it's the killer bitch wife from hell, and you're perfect for it i we're we're still talking about it now <laughs> uh, Len Wiseman there, truly a shoe-in for our fit director's list. You should have seen him, Helen. Really? His hair was glistening in the, in the mid-afternoon sun. Totes dreamy, was he? Yeah, there was no sun in the room, but somehow there was just a <laughs> halo around him. Totes dreamy. Totes... <laughs> Damn you. Um, anyway, for a verdict on Total Recall, tune into next week's podcast. But for now, it's on with this week's movie news. Helen. Hello. What's on your plate? Um, uh, I, I, I thought I'd stick with Marvel uh, as is so often my want and with news <laughs> that Daredevil is set to go back to Marvel the rights are going to revert because Fox now thinks it cannot get a new Daredevil movie into production in time to keep Because it needs them. to get it started by... By October the something, 10th, 1st? I believe it's the 10th, yeah. 10th. Um, so, uh, so, yes, it's not going to be possible now. Uh, Joe Carnahan had a take on it um, and uh, has actually put that out online. You can see it on our website. Um, and he uh, had a really good idea, a really good kind of gritty approach to it, was going to try and make it a bit more kind of grounded and down to earth than the Daredevil we've seen before. Well, he was going to set it in the 70s. Yeah, make it a bit more sort of, you know, French Connection-y sort of 
Serpicoe. Yes, yeah, Serpicoe. Yeah. Um, and but anyway, they've decided against that, and they don't have any better ideas, and they're not going to get going in time for October tenth. Therefore, he's back to Marvel. Yeah, and this is uh, something Marvel are doing very quietly. Blade has returned to Marvel. Uh, I noticed in the last couple of months, Ooh. which is interesting. I love the original Blade and Blade Two. Uh, less said about Blade Trinity, the better. But uh, it's a character that has been proven to work on the big screen, and then, if anything, actually probably kicked off, in my opinion, the it did the, the current the comic of, trend. Yeah. yeah, back in nineteen ninety-eight. Um, yeah, this is very interesting news. Do you think that we might see... Ollie's obviously looking very excited by this. Uh, do you think we might see Daredevil pop up in the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or do you think they might take the Punisher and Daredevil and Blade and do some sort of Marvel Knights thing with them? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they, they it could go either way. Daredevil especially, maybe more than the Punisher. It could probably go either darker or, you know, slightly more mainstreamy I think he's he's more on the cusp um, but uh, I don't know I, I think I think they might want a, a do over I mean you know what we've seen with Hulk is that they will they will play with things until they think they've got them right um, and I don't think I think everybody would, would agree with me on this Daredevil isn't quite right yet on screen no. so you know it's something to, to think about and to tinker with why well I have a soft spot for that. I do, I, listen, I'm not a naysayer. I don't hate it. I quite enjoyed it. But um, but I think it's not, you know, 100% there. It's a tricky character to get right, mm. um, I think. And it may not fit into this bright primary colours Avengers universe that, that Marvel got going. But you never know. Uh, with the right actor, right director, it could fit in very nicely. But if Ghost Rider reverts to Marvel, which I think it may well do, then they, the Marvelites universe is right there waiting for them to do something with a TV show perhaps who knows um, but it, it's uh, interesting Nick is actually now just surfing the net <laughs> <laughs> hello I'm researching news I'm researching the latest good. news okay. this is so up to the minute okay it's what they do at CNN what have you got uh, just reading about Arrested Development. Really. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of news that's kind of news like even as we speak they're chicken dancing someone is chicken dancing somewhere <laughs> I'm I'm really excited. I was just reading about uh, how in series four I've just taken over your story. Sorry, Han. No, that's fine. No, it's we're fine. Done, I we're think done. we've reached a natural conclusion. So, season four of Arrested Development has started shooting about a week ago, and uh, the big change up with this season is apparently each episode will follow a different member of the Blue family. Ollie, you're a fan of Arrested Development. I am. So I am you indeed. About this, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea for them to focus on one character. Uh, I I kind of think it's a good idea for them to do whatever they want to do. Um, <laughs> I've I've no better suggestions for them. So yeah, happy with that. I can't so, wait. To so see it. it's going to follow. Each episode is going to follow. This is what I'm reading. A different wow. family member. Yeah, that's what I've read. Yes. I, I mean, it, which could be kind of interesting. Although I think you still want all of the plots to kind of intertwine the way they did so cleverly in the show's three seasons previously. Yeah. You know, the, the the plots would kind of start off very small with small individual problems for each person, which would then end up crashing together and, and producing these ridiculous and outrageous kind yeah. of farcical moments. So you still kind of want to have that in there, but they can still do that by mm-hmm. focusing on one person at a time. Maybe, sure. it's, maybe it's not just the family. Maybe there's some... I'd like to see an episode about Franklin, the, uh, the puppet, <laughs> and also one about Jean Parmesan, who may be my favourite character <laughs> in the whole thing. He's the awful private detective who just keeps putting on disguises and, tri- and jumping out at the person who's hired him. And Henry Winkler is their lawyer as well. That would be amazing. Would be yeah. pretty good. So no, maybe it's maybe it's good because I think the previous seasons have focused on um, Jason Bateman's character Michael. Mm. Yeah, and so maybe we'll get to see more. But of But don't you need him to to ground everything else, uh, the craziness of all the other characters? But surely focusing on one character doesn't mean it'll just it's not going to be like monologue, is it? No, no, true. And obviously he's going to be in, involved in, yeah. each, in each episode. But he was he was he was the anchor. He was yeah he was kind of the, the sanity amid it 
Oh. Even um, though he was not, not, not exactly older himself no. in, in many ways. I'm but. just very grateful it's happening, though they've finally got off the ground. Yeah. And does really this mean excited. that... You've been following this for a long time, Nick. Does this mean the movie is... is in the works we, we might get the movie or uh, Mitch Hurwitz has been working on the movie script for a while so there is a screenplay out there so I, I think the idea is for this these ten episodes to build up to the movie um, but th- this series is being financed by Netflix so I don't know whether Netflix would pay for the movie as well or how big budget the movie would be mm. but I, I think they'll see how these episodes are received mm. And then move from there. And the fact that they're all together again, working in one place, has got to make the movie slightly mm. more, you know, likely than it maybe looked for a while there, while they were all off doing different projects. Uh, Ollie, I have news about uh, a sequel that I think we'll probably all agree is about as welcome as a fart in a lift, um, but it just got ever so slightly better. Uh, this is The Hangover Three. What we currently know about the film is minimal, but what we do know, Zach Galifianakis, 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 Galifianakis enough. that's the one. Yes. That's Zach. ZG to his friends, yes. the guy with the ferns. Saki baby. It may, he has said, uh, involve him being broken out of a mental institution. Ooh. Is that because he can't say his name right? <laughs> yes, I will be in a mental institution very shortly <laughs> if I'm forced to say his name again. But this is not yet touched on my news. My news is that John Goodman has a role in it. Hey! So that's good, isn't it? That's good! Exactly. We like John Goodman. We do like John Goodman very much in anything. Um, But his role is not uh, confirmed, but it's not a big role. It's been said it's similar to Paul Giamatti's in the last film. Okay. uh, Which was just, he was a kind of cop agent guy. I'm still not excited about this film, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought the last one was dreadful. First one was really funny, last one was awful. I thought the first one was really funny until the last 25 minutes, and then it stopped being funny. And then they continued out into the second film. I enjoyed all of it. I just thought the the second one was like an 80s sequel where they just do it for the sake of it and do the same thing again. Um, But, you know, maybe they'll learn from those lessons and do something good. They're all talented people. John Goodman does give good villain. Um, He's great Mm. in the latest season of Community, for example. So he always enhances something when he's ranting and screaming at people I think a dark and menacing presence <laughs> if he turns up as Fred Flintstone that'd be amazing that would be cool yeah that'd be all very, right. very cool or King okay. Ralph uh, thanks indeed Ollie is that, is that it we all done is that if the news well there's the what's l- your one last stand trailer I don't have I don't, I don't bring news you should You should. I'm not the Slacker. bringer of news he's a judger of news okay uh, my news then if I'm forced to do news um, is the Avengers 2 sequel date which is May 1st, 2015. If you if you have any plans for 2015, cancel them because you'll probably be watching that or listen to us bang on about it for 25 minutes in the, in the podcast <laughs> in three years' time. So that's exciting, isn't it, Helen? It is. Although, I mean, to be honest, we already knew it was looking like May Shut up, Helen. Okay, now before we Even move... Even I didn't think that was news worth reporting. That's all I'm saying. Before we move on to the week's reviews, which include the wedding video, uh, one of the stars of that film, Robert Webb, dropped in this week to discuss that and also Peep Show. Oh, yeah. His time at Footlights, Cambridge Footlights. Uh, you went to somewhere that was close to Cambridge? Oxford. Oxford. That's like Cambridge. Not a lot. Uh, and a how pla- <laughs> yes, He also discussed how plans are going for David Mitchell's stag do. He was talking to me and Ali Plum, and in an Empire podcast first, he calls one of us a twat. Uh, we'd like to be joined in the pod booth by Robert Webb, star of Peep Show, and now, this week, 
The wedding video. The wedding video. The wedding video. Indeed. Isn't it? it is indeed. And this is your, your day off from Peep Show. So it is. This is my day off. And I uh, stupidly told the publicist that I had a day off and they pounced <laughs> like, like the PR tigers that they are. I said, promote something. On my head. Yes. So, yes, here I am promoting the heck out of it. <laughs> so, um, before we get to the uh, the promoting the heck out of a part, how is Peep Show going? This is season eight you're, do, you're doing. Uh, this is the eighth series, yeah. yeah. And uh, we're sort of halfway, nearly halfway through. It's all going suspiciously smoothly. When I left, we were a scene ahead, but maybe it will all go horribly wrong, and uh, I'll come back and pick up the pieces somehow. Because you're the, you're the glue that holds it together, then. Yes, that, they call me Mr. Sticky. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all going really well, and um, and the scripts just get better and better, and um, so, yeah, absolutely delighted to be doing it again. Yeah, which, which is rare for sitcoms. Well, yes. <laughs> I, th- I can't think of many others that were still fresh and this funny in their eighth series. I mean, not many make it that far. Mm. Yeah, um, it's just ours, Desmond's, and Last of the Summer Wine. But uh, the the last season, or I keep calling it a season, which is a very American term. Uh, no series. I, I just, sorry, I didn't mean to correct you. I, it's just yeah. no, no, a, no. You're right. I made a personal choice there, and I'm going to call them, <laughs> I'm call them serieses because because uh, it's British. Yeah, that's that's it. And also because it is only six. It's not a whole season. Yes, yeah. it's it's, a, it's the wink of a season. It's, <laughs> It's, it's a quarter of a summer at most. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but it ended on a, on, a, on a well, I guess the all ending cliffhangers really. But um, with with Jez being beaten <laughs> by Superhands, naturally. Um, yes. How how is he? How, where do we where do we find? Uh, him? Still in one piece. Well, I yeah. think yeah. At the end of the last series, uh, <laughs> Jez was about to move out of the flat, and I don't think I'm giving too much away in saying that if he did that, that would be the end of Peep Show. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so that does not happen. Jez is very quietly trying slowly to move out but um, but that doesn't really uh, doesn't really happen do you sense any growth in these characters no no, <laughs> no they're allowed to get older but not move up move on but not up I think uh, no not really I mean we, you know if you told us in 2001 which is when we made the pilot that mm. um, we'd still be going in 2012 uh, 2012 was the future I mean you know we'd all be on hoverboards and, <laughs> and wearing jetpacks by, by then um, we'd have been amazed and, and we are amazed um, so yeah no we the ageing process is is pretty stark and naked when you when you when you see when you watch the first series I've got I've still got hair I mean everything's everything's different but um but no, they, they're allowed to get older, but not any more mature. Okay. It has definitely defined you for me. I mean, mm. well, you know, for you, you are jazz. For some people, I'm sure many people who see you on the street, do you get called jazz in the street? Is that a regular part of your life? It, there's a spectrum that, that goes all the way from, Oi, peep show! To, hello, sorry <laughs> to bother you, Mr. Webb. May I have an autograph? Um, so, it, you know, and it, but usually it's, it's somewhere in between. But um, no, not many people call me Jez I think mm. I, we like to think that we have a sophisticated audience that, that knows the difference between actors and characters but um, not I'm like, still not like soap this. soaps <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah. so it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad and the, the, the wedding video mm. is only your well I think third movie yes it's my uh, yeah third third movie yeah uh, no fourth fourth, fourth. There, was, there was one called uh, Easily Forgotten mm-hmm. called um, Comic Act okay uh, that was really awful <laughs> I mean, uh, an absolute belter of a terrible, terrible... This is a podcast. Can I swear a bit? You can, but absolutely. Okay, good. It was a piece of absolute shit. Um, and it was about... It was some very, very middle-aged ex-hippie director's idea of what the young people are doing these days <laughs> on the stand-up circuit. The young people being David Schneider, yeah, and other people in their late 30s. Um, 
and uh, it was it was really really awful. And I played a photographer called Mario. Uh, I'm in. Sold. <laughs> who had a couple of scenes with a model, an American model, who tried to do a bit of acting and didn't. And it was, yeah, it was a shocker. Do oh, wow. track it down. I think you can only get it on, on Region 1 DVD. <laughs> Cyber quality. Ali eBay immediately. Let's, let's do this thing. Um, so was that, was that very much a case of uh, you were up and coming at the point at that point? You it had was, to take it was, anything? Or? It was pretty much my first job, acting yeah. job, really. Yeah, it was very odd. I'd just been taken on by an agent. And, um, and it was a feature. And so everyone got very excited. And then it turned out to be fucking awful. Um, and I didn't work again for years. Um, <laughs> Still, yeah, all's so, well. It so turned out mixed, nicely. So, uh, yeah, a, a mixed uh, movie record. Uh, but, you know, I like to think that that's just a sign of I'm being very fussy with scripts and, and uh, I have been offered other films, <laughs> um, which would have been better than um, than Comic Act, but not as good as The Wedding Video. And, and The Wedding Video script turned up and it was written by Tim Firth, who's brilliant, mm. who did uh, Calendar Girls and uh, Neville's Island, which is a fantastic play, also a film, I think. Mm. And um, it was just really, really, really funny. And I knew how to play the character and I was available and that's sort of what, that's the, those are the key ingredients the perfect to storm for me you. actually turning up in a film so were you at all in any way nervous or put off by the fact that this was another wedding comedy given that you had I a believe bad, quite a, a bad experience a, a little bit of argy-bargy with, yeah. uh, with confetti no it, it didn't really I mean confetti was a very long time ago now and also like I say there, there was a script confetti was all mm-hmm. improvised there was almost a fetish about uh, how the different actors weren't allowed to know what the others were doing it was very kind of process over output it was I just think there's obviously there's a massive overlap in terms of yes it's a British rom-com about weddings but Mm. this wedding video is just livelier funnier more vibrant it feels younger it's actually got something modest to say about love it's it's just more grown up and yet kind of more youthful at the same time the Mm. music's better it looks better (laughs) it's just it's just a lot better Um, does it have more or fewer naked people it has fewer naked people Mm. I am naked briefly but only in the normal way uh, as you do when you're on a stag uh, night and you're running around with a cone on your cock. Um, which I believe is what other people do. I managed to get through an entire stag day um, whilst remaining fully clothed, but that, that wouldn't make such a good film. Yeah, same here. Mm. Yeah. But no penis this time. No, well, which is a relief for you, I, pre- I presume? I think, I, think I, I, should, I owe it to the British public to give them a bit of a rest from, <laughs> from my knob. Um, so, yes, I'm not the man that I was five years, five years ago anyway, so, uh, or six, or God knows when it was made. So, uh, yes, just a, a normal amount of cheeky carry-on nudity, <laughs> nothing too distracting. A bit of bum, or? Bit of bum, bit of Rufus's bum, mm-hmm. uh, not my bum. But flank, fi, okay, I'd yeah, say, yeah, uh, but fleeting. But yeah, so the, the wedding video. Can you talk more, uh, say more about it for people who may not know exactly what it is? Who you play? Well, I played Tim. Thank you for leading me in like that because I was going to. I played Tim. <laughs> it's a film about this character called Tim. Uh, what happens is Tim is uh, getting married to Saskia, played by Lucy Punch, who's in Bad Teacher and mm. is very brilliant. She's brilliant. Uh, and my long lost brother, who's been travelling for a long time, and best man Rafe, played by Rufus Hound, comes back to be my best man, and he is making his present to Temisaskia is a wedding a video of the last few weeks of the 
all the argy-bargy before they get married and that's the film that we see it turns out Rafe is uh, very good at editing um, <laughs> and has excellent taste in music um, but yeah that's basically the premise and, and it turns out that the, the course of not quite true love runs not at all smoothly and there are various <laughs> hijinks and hilarions uh, yeah. along the way and there's a happy ending but not the ending that we uh, expect. Were you this is a shot in the dark here but were you, did you make friends with the continuity editor at all just so you can make sure there were no film bloopers in case you possibly had to talk <laughs> uh, about the film bloopers where you were on screen? Uh, my day job um, n- yeah, uh, there will be. There, there are bound to be. Yeah. About, I mean, every film has continuity bloopers, but what can I say? Um, the money's good. <laughs> <laughs> are you more aware of bloopers now that uh, uh, that you are doing the Dennis Norton thing? No, not really. When I do the Dennis Norton thing, I, you kind of. But some of them are really good. Some of them, I had no idea that you could see Chewbacca's trainers uh, <laughs> in in Star Wars. That's that's worth knowing yeah. uh, in Jurassic Park there's a guy who runs across the screen yeah. <laughs> it's stuff like that that's amazing that's that's good stuff and then and then there's oh look um, her wine was slightly fuller in that last <laughs> shot and you know they're padding it out what can I say I, I remember seeing you in the cinema for Magicians mm. um, and obviously that was with uh, Mr Mitchell yes um, when will you do another Mitchell web joint in the cinema well there are no sort of plans really I mean, you know we, we I suppose we ought to get our act together and try and write one mm. um, I mean Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's example is inspiring mm. um, but um, you know what it's just we grew up watching British TV comedy and that's what really uh, floated our joint boats um, and although there are terrific comedy films obviously you know Python and, and um, Python uh, <laughs> and one or two others um, uh, we just think it's really it's it's really difficult because you in, in a sitcom the characters have to stay the same uh, otherwise it's not a sitcom in a sketch you can have uh, lots and lots of different uh, lots of different ideas you know 15 18 different ideas in a, in a half hour sketch show mm. in a film the characters kind of have to grow up they sort of have to do a journey of some kind even if it's quite a flippant one and it's it's just a very different different way of writing I think the, the tremendous thing about films like Groundhog Day is that uh, Groundhog Day is still just as funny when he's growing up as it was when he was a miserable bastard at the beginning mm. and I think that's a really difficult thing to pull off so I'm not saying we won't do it because it's too difficult but we but we, we might not do it because it's far too difficult <laughs> uh, we are developing a thing with some people uh, that will be announced at the end of the uh, Edinburgh TV Festival I'm not allowed to talk about but um so there is a thing um which we're both excited about and looking forward to um but apart from the thing uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're not doing much together at all okay but uh, otherwise everything's peachy because you're actually his best man i am his you? best man yeah. yes how are preparations going yeah it's <laughs> not for ages yeah it'll be fine when is it is it next year yeah awesome autumn yeah yeah, Come, yeah. that's like what, not two? even a date you're just putting it into the autumn <laughs> yeah, category or, or, so when, the, when the leaves start falling off the trees I'll start to worry interesting but I presume he's not going to be um, carousing in Prague with something sellotape around his willy nah nah you, you can't sellotape his willy um, <laughs> not, god knows I've tried not, I mean I, yeah, I tried it he just yeah he wakes up <laughs> um, so it's hard I mean it's difficult 
No, it'll be it'll be fairly sedate. It'll be pretty. I, I would imagine a certain amount of booze will be involved by this. Sorry, I never wanted to sound like a certain amount of uh, boozage <laughs> may be partaken. Will be not unadjacent to um, slightly uh, squiffy pops. Uh, yes, we're all going to get wasted, um, okay. but not from not from the off. Uh, we, we're hoping to you know not be to be basically in good shape by 8pm 8, <laughs> 8 when, when it can all really really get going and David was your best man he was yes so uh, what was your state doing like uh, same kind of thing really <laughs> uh, pretty unimaginative <laughs> food drink um, something relaxing in between okay I mean, I mean, a sort of brunchy, morningy thing, an evening thing, and something, <laughs> and something in between that doesn't preclude booze, but is not entirely booze-based. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. I know there are people taking notes right now because, yeah. yeah, food and booze. I mean, that's it's it's, it's yeah, well next know, level. We're we're pretty gastro. There was some <laughs> some hot emailing in the afternoon. Check <laughs> <laughs> work email. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. been to some shockers though. I went to someone, someone wanted some ten pin bowling. It was like the last day of summer. We were all in this fucking basement. I thought this is shit. Yeah. So you said so and left. I said so and walked out. No, it was very nice. Very nice man who is a big movie fan and is probably listening. To this. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't identify him, hang on, you might be going. Hang on, I had ten pin bowling. Damn yeah. it! But uh, have you been best man more than once, or is it just? No, this is my once? first and possibly last time. <laughs> uh, no, two brothers. They didn't want me. Um, can't think of any other straight friends. It's never. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not. It's never going to happen. So this is it. This is the big one. Let's, so not, let's not blow it. You should perhaps be more up for it. I am up for it. I'm completely up. Do I not seem up for it? I'm very just, excited. Just not knowing the date of the wedding is. I do know the date of the. I'm not going to announce the date of the wedding, you twat. God, it's just, been heavily embargoed. I was, I was, I was, I was, it's I was amazing, it's I was amazing that I know. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it. He's very cagey about this stuff. Speaking of cagey, this kind of is a segue, but not really. Have you or have you not? Because I watch it pretty regularly. Appeared on Would I Lie to You? Yes, twice. Twice. Is that a surreal experience? Because surely you know him quite well and just go, well, it, well, was, it, liar. Was, it was weird the first time because they had us on opposite teams mm. and there there was a limited amount of stuff that we don't know about each other. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a struggle. Um, but it was it made much more sense the second time when it was just me, him and Sir Terry Wogan. <laughs> um, honestly, God, I wish my great auntie had been around to hear that when they, when they, when they brought us on. David Mitchell, Robert Webb and Sir Terry Wogan. We used to listen to him in the morning when I was a kid but um, yeah no, that's all lots of fun but yes it was they, they struggled a bit to find stuff that, that we didn't know because we do know everything also, you've you've appeared in my mind on a bunch of panel shows, but also QI. Yeah. What is it? What is it like being on that kind of show? Because it seems pretty intimidating. I, I'd find it quite uncomfortable. Yes, I, I did. Did it come across? No. I, well. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty quiet. Uh, well, they record for not as long as some of those shows. It's only a couple of hours. Sometimes they record for like three and a half hours, and oh crikey! Um, but it was, you know, it's the intimidation of a being there at all and B <laughs> Stephen Fry's in the room who I've adored since I before I had pubic no I think I had pubic <laughs> but um gonna uh, check my diary yeah I'll check my diary <laughs> dear diary congratulations first pube watch Stephen um another victory uh no it, so it was a bit so I think I was a bit I was a bit quiet um but uh it's a it's a very civilised and fun show I mean there there are some of those panel shows that I definitely avoid because they it's just a bear pit and mm. and who needs it I think I can probably work out which one you're talking about Mock the Week yeah awful one yeah <laughs> it just, yeah 
I don't, I don't think it's for civilised folk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think on that bombshell, it is time to say goodbye to uh, Robert Webb. Thanks for coming in. Thank and thanks for much. being the only person to call me a twat on the, on the podcast. <laughs> that was my pleasure. <laughs> Believe me, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Lovely guy, Robert Webb. Really enjoyed talking to him, uh, even though he did call me a twat. Justified, has to be said. Uh, anyway, let's start our reviews roundup with his movie, which is The Wedding Video, in which he plays a groom who entrusts the making of his wedding video to his brother, played by Rufus Hound. Let's hope that Rufus doesn't end up deleting the wedding video, as happened to mine. True story, folks. Chris, you're still not over that, are you? Um, no, I'm really not over that. Uh, anyway, Helen, what do we make of this wedding video? Um, this one was actually pretty good, I thought. I mean, it's it's basically, you know, you, I'll be honest, I get a little bit nervous when I hear about a, a British rom-com, especially one set around weddings, because often they're not that good, and there's about three or four of them out this summer. Well, it's a as bit Robert ridiculous. Webb mentioned, he has been in one, Confetti, which... Well, Confetti was, was good, actually. I quite well, like Confetti. It, it's patchy, but it's, you know, it's fun. Um, but... But, I mean, there's also the not... There's a few best men in a few weeks. It's all kind of happening. Anyway, this one's quite good. Um, Lucy Punch plays the bride, Mm -hmm. and Robert Webb, as mentioned, is the groom. And Rufus Hound is his brother Mm -hmm. and best man, and, you know, therefore in charge of many, many aspects of the wedding. And immediately you think, hang on, a comedian in charge of my wedding, things are going to go horribly wrong. And in, in, in true fashion, that's obviously what happens. He decides yeah. to film everything in the lead up to the big day, filming everybody's worst moments. Oh, that's nice. Um, yes. Uh, and everything that could possibly go wrong, obviously going wrong, often due to his involvement. Um, and, uh, and things go a bit sort of pear-shaped. So a very, very good wedding speech. Even better than one of yours, Chris. Um, <laughs> and and complete wedding day disasters as you'd expect. So yeah, I mean, pretty good actually. Directed by Nigel Cole, who did Maiden Dagenham and Calendar Girls, mm-hmm. and um, and is written by Tim Firth, in fact. So it's got a good pedigree, and yeah. yeah. So it's it's turned out nicely because it's also kind of a it's not really found footage in that regard. No, no one dies in this film. It's not like Spoiler. one of those, not, not like Paranormal Activity, but yeah, it, 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 it yeah, has that, that found footage. I think we're willing feel. to spoil it to that extent. It does yeah. not end up with everybody dead um, <laughs> and the footage being picked up by specialists. You, you know that even now people are going to be writing the angry. How dare you spoil a wedding video? <laughs> I was expecting at least ten members of the that cast would to be, be decapitated. An, that would be an interesting approach to the wedding comedy, though. But it would be, know, wouldn't it? We we still wait that one. I've, um, I've said this before in the podcast. Um, with, this, with, the, with the wedding video, we have an answer, but who edits found footage movies? <laughs> Who finds the footage and then decides to edit it into a three-act into a three-act structure, no less? It's Who's doing this? Yeah, and they they often add incidental music as well. They do and put credits at the end. And they put credits at the end and everything, and they release it and make loads of money. Uh, okay, so that's the wedding video. We gave it three stars. Mm-hmm. It is out in wide release this week. Next up is Take This Waltz, the latest directorial effort from the brilliant actress Sarah Polly. It's a relationship drama in which Michelle Williams' relatively happy marriage to Seth Rogen begins to unravel when she starts to fall for a hunky man. Like a Len Wiseman, I imagine. Gosh. Oh, wouldn't that be... Uh, anyway, uh, Ollie, what's your take on this? Well, he's a bit like Len Wiseman if he wore pedal pushers and pulled a rickshaw. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually a really lovely film. Uh, Sarah Polly's last film, Away From Her, I was it got great reviews. I wasn't a huge fan. I found it a bit wafty and a bit... Um, that was a Julie Christie. Yeah, yeah. where Julie Christie was uh, had um, Alzheimer's, I believe, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. That's right. Um, 
I just found it kind of meandered a lot and it was quite a bit self-indulgent. This is less so. It's much lighter than that. Uh, Michelle Williams plays a woman who's in a pretty happy marriage to Seth Rogen, a man who seems to be making a living by writing a cookbook purely about chicken. So they have this happy marriage, but then she meets someone else. She's not looking for someone else, but she meets someone else and is kind of attracted to him. It then turns out he lives on the other side of the road, which, oh my God. Um, and it's it handles it quite well, the way that one relationship develops. In fact, the way both relationships develop, but in very different ways. One one, one negatively, one positively. Mm-hmm. I won't actually say which one is which. Okay. And they kind of switch around a bit. Um, but it being a Sarah Polly film, she's got she's got a beautiful eye, she's got a beautiful eye for moments. There's mm-hmm. so, so many fantastic moments. There's a bit on the waltzers in this, which is wonderful. But she also has a habit of kind of going off on little poetic bits which don't necessarily go anywhere. Okay. So in places it's a bit meandering and it goes on a bit longer than I think it needs to be about half. It has about seven endings um, but the characters have played really well they're written really well as well like Seth Rogen as this guy as the husband who she's kind of drifting away from he's a great guy and you think why is, she, why is she leaving this guy for this guy who pulls a rickshaw and it's just really well played Michelle Williams is fantastic it's a it's a very good film not a perfect film but a very good film we give it four stars I'd, I would say that's absolutely fair uh, so if you can go see Take This Waltz this week which is probably the best reviewed film of this week and uh, the biggest film uh, out this week um, uh, which opened on Thursday so many of you probably have already seen it and made up your own minds is The Expendables 2 of course in which Sly Scott Adkins The Staith Scott Adkins Arnie Bruce Chuck Scott Adkins Dolph Lundgren Scott Adkins JCVD and if you can believe this Scott Adkins come together to form a kind of arthritic Avengers it is of course <laughs> the sequel to The Expendables uh, which brings many of the great 80s and 90s action heroes together for a bullet fest that movie sadly disappointed so hopes weren't too high for the sequel have our revised expectations been met Nick who wrote the Empire Review here's the good stuff about The Expendables 2 <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a villain called Jean Villain <laughs> <laughs> might be Valan, I'm not sure about the It's Valan, it's Valan. Is yeah. it said in the film? Valan, it is, yeah. yeah. They, they okay. come to go, it's right. good to learn. Chuck Norris says an actual Chuck Norris fact as yes. dialogue, which is magnificent. And Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis ride around an airport in a smart car, and having ripped time. off the doors. Mm-hmm. And that's the good stuff. The rest of it is not that memorable and uh, not nearly as fun as it should have been yeah. in my opinion mm. I think, you know, we've been getting some flack uh, from people this week again that, that old thing of people who hadn't seen the film slagging us off before they've seen the film themselves um, but we're getting a lot of Empire it, don't like action films yeah. which is if you were to sit in the office for a day and hear how many times Commando <laughs> is quoted yeah or Predator or run out hard. screaming yeah um, no we, we love action films which is why I think we're pretty well placed to say this one doesn't really work because the tone is all wrong for a start it, it, it starts pretty well I thought with this this decent tongue in cheek action sequence where the Expendables come in to rescue a guy, there was over reliance on on bumper stickers. I thought in that sequence just a tiny bit, a little bit. Otherwise, but it, it yeah, was quite really fun, fun and yeah. over the top, and people's heads are being blown off and they're cracking one liners. Incredible amounts of splatter. Yes, uh, kind of Rambo levels of splatter. The last Rambo movie, which was which is still, I think, along with Punisher Warzone, the most violent mainstream action film I've ever seen. But. Um, uh, apart from that, you think, oh, if this can sustain this tone, then great. But it's a movie that actually takes itself incredibly seriously at times, and in quite pious fashion. There's a there's a mm. dreadful subplot with a group of wives who men have been taken away by Sean Villan and mm. used for nefarious purposes, and it goes into very 
dark slow-mo sequences and you know it really rams home that we should be feeling something for these these women and it mm. it doesn't need that commander didn't do that predator didn't do Con that Air didn't just do that. Conair didn't do that which is directed by the same guy simon west but so I mean, an even bigger problem i think is all the way through the movie they're they're quoting lines and referring to mm. die hard the terminator and actually it's not really like any of those films no. it's more like cobra or some you know something from the 80s which isn't particularly celebrated or isn't particularly good it's like they're writing their own fan fiction <laughs> it's like you know they're all they're all quoting each other's lines to remind them you of stuff you like them better in without actually taking the trouble to make sure that you like them in this I just that mm. that really upset me because you know again I love a ludicrous action movie as yeah. much as the next person we love um, Fast Five from last oh year oh my goodness we actually fi- high-fived each other throughout that screening despite the fact that there were two people sitting between <laughs> us <laughs> that's true that's true um, yeah if this had any of the sort of sense of ridiculousness and preposterousness and schwa de fieve uh, that's one for Phil if he's listening um that, that Fast Five had then I would have loved The Expendables mm. too. and uh, again if it had sustained the tone of the first 10 minutes throughout the rest of the film it might have been fine there are decent moments Dolph Lundgren's very funny I think Dolph Lundgren's the only person in the movie playing the movie on the level mm. it should be played at mm-hmm. which is, Terry you know, Crews is quite it. good but he gets hardly anything to do true true Crews and Lundgren I'd actually quite like to see those guys and you know it's, it's hard not to feel something when you see Sly and Bruce and Arnie together on screen but at the same time it, it it's not written very wittily it could have had a much better script uh, Simon West directed Con Air just doesn't bring any of the lightness of touch he brought to that film to this and it's a bit of a disappointment really just wait for part three and Nick Cage well no that's exciting mm-hmm. that's exciting and Scott Adkins presumably coming Scott back Scott Adkins coming back yeah. yeah sorry Scott uh, so the two stars for The Expendables 2 uh, but that is out in wide release this week and there you go also out this week is The Devil's Business which is this right, Helen? It had its poster designed by Empire Forumites. Yes, there was a competition and they came up with some amazing, amazing designs. They're still on our forum if oh, you wow. want to look. Cool, check them out. And there's also The Bird, which will only play at Picture House Cinemas around the country, but you can't go wrong with Picture House Cinemas, in my experience, and they also give good pod. Uh, not as good as us, obviously. <laughs> uh, and that's it for this week's podcast I promised you James Marsh this week but we've decided to hold him back for next week's podcast where we'll also be and can we announce this, this Nick can we announce who well, we're doing next week yeah absolutely go for it oh the uh, legendary Adam Buxton is coming in Adam Buxton Ooh. the master himself <laughs> to show us how it's done <laughs> yes precisely uh, talking to the microphones presumably that's a good start <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're doing well. not eating cheesy snacks <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> right, I won't do that next week <laughs> fair enough uh, and that is it that's all you're getting from us next week we'll have James Marsh and Dr Buckles amazing stuff until then it is goodbye from Helen farewell goodbye from Ollie so long goodbye from Nick hasta la vista <laughs> not a line from Expendables 2 no indeed and uh, amazingly isn't it I know they forgot to put that one in yeah okay. Okay, and it's goodbye from me. See you next week for more film-related fun.